Big thank you to our newest supporter, Ultimate Direction. Excited to use their packs throughout all of 2019. Excited to tell you, you know, what pack I really like and what I'm using throughout the year. Big thank you to Destination Trail. Really like what they're doing, Candace Burt and her team. Enjoyed their Moab 240 race. I'm going to do the triple here soon, but they have a variety of races that you guys definitely need to check out if you have some free time. Big thank you to Exoskin. I was blown away at, at the product. Their socks and their calf sleeves and their base layers that I used at Moab 240. I mean, you read on their website and they have this technology called rapid dry copper and they utilize this copper fiber within their seamless um, knitted technology. And like, I really didn't think much of it. The socks were a little thin, you know, I was hesitant. And then I tried them out and I didn't have blisters after 242 miles in the desert. Um, I can't promise you you'll have the, uh, you know, the same exact results, but I definitely think you need to try them out if, if you haven't already. Um, reduces odor and uh, I've just definitely noticed the reduced chafing and blistering and when you get the product if you buy like a base layer shirt or whatever it is um, you'll just notice this is like not only high tech but it just feels high quality um, so yeah I, I definitely I'm excited to have Exoskin on board not only because you know they're supporting me and, and you know I get to wear their gear throughout the year but um, because I, I believe in them myself. I mean, I, I truly think this is um, a high-quality product. And, I mean, Exoskin, along with my other title sponsors, I mean, I utilize all their products myself. And um, if you want to give Exoskin a try, feel free to use my promo code T, the number 4U20, for 20% off your order. Thank you to Exoskin. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. I know I'll be using... A lot of their gels and perpetuum and recoverite throughout 2019. Also their fizz. And yeah, if you haven't tried Hammer, feel free to use my promo code. It is 252888 and you'll save 15% off your first order. Big thank you to Hammer. Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. I'm Ian Lai. And this is Aslan Ismin. And you're listening to Ultra Running Singapore. Welcome to episode 75 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And I'm excited to have Ian and Aslan, both from Singapore, on. You don't meet many ultra runners from Singapore. Their biggest climb throughout the whole country is less than 500 feet. So it was really, it was crazy meeting these two guys um, in Chamonix at the after hours party. They bought me a beer. Really nice guys. They're absolutely passionate about ultra running. And I had to stay in touch and find out more about how they train in Singapore and hear more about how their big races, CCC, UTMB, and the like went. So enjoy the episode. I truly enjoyed speaking with them. All right, I'm joined here by Ian and Aslan, ultra runners from Singapore, um, who were kind enough to buy me a beer after uh, I finished CCC in Chamonix. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us on the show, Rob. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It's good to see you again after so many months. I know. 
I know, and and I'm doing the Triple Crown this year, so Chamonix sort of out, but um, we have to start planning for 2020. Uh, sure, yeah, So I, I can't guarantee everyone that buys me a beer will make it onto the podcast, but it definitely helps your odds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... It was it was crazy to talk to you guys. I think we met. Um, it was sort of like the after hour after party, um, and it was cool to see the group of just different countries and everyone smiling, having a good time, regardless how their UTMB you know specific race went. Um, and I was blown away talking to you guys. And you know, I, I definitely had to have you on. I know it took a few months to get you know finally line up schedules and get you guys on and everything. But let's hear more about ultra running, just training for ultras in Singapore. I mean, Ian, do you want to start us off with like kind of laying out what's training like here and how do you guys prepare for huge races like UTMB? Yeah, so so Singapore is a pretty pancake flat country. Um, <laughs> it's also pretty small. We have a couple of uh, really small hills by by uh, European standards, I would say. And uh, so most of the training. So Aslan is it like 168 meters high, the tallest hill? Is that right? Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, we have the tallest, quote unquote, hill in Singapore, and it's 163 meters. But I think that's still, yeah, and it's also climb from the bottom. It's probably like maybe 80. I'm not too sure. So you're looking at under 500 feet for your biggest climb. Yeah. Correct. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so, so training training for for any big mountain race involves like countless repeats on that that little stretch of of climb and and I would say there's a couple of different ways you can do it. There's like a traily route that doesn't go straight up, so it's underlading, and then there's a main path that you can kind of go along paved road. So obviously, when you're going along paved road, um, you're getting the continuous climb or whatever little there is. Um, but then it, you're not able to practice the technical aspects of the trail running. So it's it's a little bit of give and take, depending on which route you use. I mean, are, are marathons popular in Singapore? Yeah, oh, they yeah. are. Uh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Okay. And and so did you, are you guys able to utilize at least um, some road marathons for training blocks? Or is it, are you guys totally enamored, you know, with the trails, kind of like myself? <laughs> Uh, I think realistically speaking, most Singaporean runners start off at some point or another from road running, I guess, because the whole country is made of road, right? So, but at some point of time, we start going to the trail, we start going, start going training for trail running and stuff. So I guess uh, marathon still has its place, but I think for the hardened ultra runners, it's just, you know, everybody's on the trail these days. No, go ahead. I'd say, I'd say, I'd say one of the, the things that, makes people or kind of compels people to move to the trails is that because it's such a small country we do have a number of marathons every year i'd say maybe at least three or four i can think of um but they all tend to run the same routes so after a while if you've done one or two of them you're kind of doing the same loop over and over again uh pretty much and there's just this drive to do something different and that's where people kind of move into the trails but like aslan said i do think um marathons have their place as sometimes we'll do them um as a long supported run so instead of having to carry a ton of of gels or whatever it's nice to be able to kind of just duck into these eight stations in a marathon and and not have to worry about logistics of uh, fueling on your long run now i'm just impressed with how ambitious you guys are because 
I'm sure, you know, going into Chamonix for like the first time, people were like, you know, they're questioning your sanity, like, you know, <laughs> most of us, but yeah, I, I feel very fortunate to be able to go out and get, you know, a decent amount of climbing in if I ever need it, just living in Colorado and you guys, I mean, what, what type of vert did you have to do to finally get comfortable with the fact that you were going out for, you know, arguably the biggest race in the world for trail running and, and difficult technical, you know, gain? How'd you guys get confident enough to actually sign up and, and go for it and get the points? I mean, gosh, you mean think about that. <laughs> yeah, Ian, man, go first. Yeah, so, so my story is a little bit different. Um, I moved to Europe, well, Switzerland specifically, three years ago. And that was right about when I was starting to collect points for CCC and then eventually, hopefully, UTMB. So I had the fortune of being located in some of the steepest terrain that, that the world, Europe has to offer, at least in Swiss Alps. And um, I actually managed to, to, to go on. Well, we have a, a, a fairly good mountain just outside of Geneva where I live uh, maybe 2400 feet of gain and uh, it's pretty steep so that was where I wrecked most of my verse I was uh, lucky in that sense um, but Aslan had to really deal with the cards he was given yeah Aslan how'd, yeah. how'd you go about it um yeah I mean just like yeah we started I think we started collecting our UTM UTMP points about the same time and uh, a little backstory is uh, in two, in 2016 I had a bit of a rough patch. I think Ian will remember this. So when we did that Hong Kong hundred race, there was the polar vortex, and that was kind of like my first like uh, it's not my first hundred, but it was my first like international big race hundred. And the whole year when I went to CCC the first time it was such a it was such a, a bad vibe of a year. So I I got a coach now, so I've been training a bit more consistently. So I would say like in like any uh, like my biggest week for vert is like three thousand meters, I think, in Singapore three thousand meters in a single week. So that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, but then again, it's in a week. It's not like an entire session. I think it's a lot of repeats. Yeah, it's a lot of repeats. <laughs> it's about. I think the longest repeats I've done is like six hours, perhaps. Wow, that's dedication. I don't. I don't think I've done half of that before. Um, I mean, I guess that's good mental training in some regard. I mean. Because every loop that you do, you could end it. You could just stop there, but you have to have the mental wherewithal to just keep grinding out the vert. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, uh, there's a certain loop that I do, and uh, it's kind of getting its own name on Strava. Uh, it's called the uh, LLRH loop, which Ian will know as Lift Low Race High Loop. So, so the challenge is the challenge is you got to do five loops to count. If not, you won't count. Because most people quit after loop three. Hmm. I mean, that's that's fascinating. I, I've I've uh, noticed at timed events like with short loops, just the mental toughness of doing that. But yeah, I can't imagine nine nine thousand feet or was it nine? It was nine thousand feet, right? Yeah, for hill repeats. Yeah. I mean, and so is the is the training technical enough? So that when you go to do like the Hong Kong 100K or CCC, you're prepared for the technicality. 
I don't know. I think I think Ian will Ian will agree with me that Singapore is not the best place to have technical trading. We do have some trail sections that are quite technical, like uh, near a reservoir, the area there. But um, those 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 trails are fast disappearing, man. Yeah. What what is the um, humidity like, and how do you handle hydration? And I mean, what's is there much wildlife at all? Any are the bugs bad at all, or is this pretty much a you know not not a major point? Uh, Ian, you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah, sure. So the so humidity is about seventy to eighty percent on average throughout the day, and um, temperatures are quite a challenge, I would say. So if you're training during the afternoon, you're talking in the nineties, I guess, in terms of Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that humidity, you really have to hydrate. Um, so the good thing is by doing loops here, there's a ranger station kind of the bottom of the hill where you can kind of get water from the bathroom and, and that sort of thing. Um, so you're never really out of water, but it, it's good mental training, like you said. Um, having been exposed to some so-called quote-unquote hot weather, ultra hot days in, in, the, in European races where people were struggling the heat, uh, just having those years of training in Singapore, my body's been a lot better adapted to dealing with those sorts of conditions. And typically, I find that when Singaporeans go overseas to race uh, in these hot weather challenges, they, they're not as badly as affected. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm so blown away, you guys, meeting you guys in Chamonix and you had listened to this podcast. It was like kind of mind blowing. Yes. I mean, how? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, you're Rob. Rob from Training from Ultra. Yeah. I told you, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was mind blowing. Um, it was cool, like, knowing you guys are in tune with, you know, a bunch of different podcasts. I mean, how did you first hear about ultra running, and how did you guys kind of take that first step into ultra running? Aslan, you can go first. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, my story is pretty simple, actually. Um, or it was, I think, in 20... Oh, gosh, how long has it been? Let me see. 20... I can't remember which year exactly. I think it was probably 2014, 2013, no, no, 2011 or something like that. And I was kind of bored. I was doing marathons. And I was like, oh, what else do I do now? And and then I recall there was this Solomon event and they were advertising this guy was coming to to Singapore. Can you guess who that guy was? <laughs> um, I, did he, was he born on the mountainside? And... Yes, he is. <laughs> Kill him? Yep. Yeah, Killian came. So, well, he was in Malaysia for the uh, the Kinabal Climathon, which he just won. Literally, he just won the day before. And he came to Singapore for a while to to uh, launch the Solomon store. So I just went over and I thought, who the hell is this guy? Then when I, when I went to see him and I, and I did a bit more research, I was like, oh my God, this guy's something else. And that's how I, you know, I, 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 saw, I saw when I Googled him, I saw that he won the UTMB. I was like, this race, I got to do. And when I found out that Singaporeans had done it, I was like, okay, I, I got to make this life priority. I got to, I got to try and go. So yeah, that, that's how the story is for me, really. That's awesome. I mean, I'm glad you set your sights on just you know a low level goal and not like you know UTMB <laughs> or anything. Um, uh, Ian, how about you? Yeah, so so mine starts off somewhat similar to Aslan. Um, I've been running road marathons in Singapore uh, for about two, three years. And similar to Aslan, I was getting bored by the same routes over and over again. 
And then we heard there was this 100-kilometer race on the road um, in Singapore, and that sounded crazy. Like, who would do that? But there's a certain mystique to hitting the triple figures in kilometers, right? So, so my friend and I signed up, and we did it. And once we had done it, you know, it was very painful. But once we got through it, we were thinking, right, now we're ultra runners. We're proper ultra runners. So what do we do now? And we went online and we looked at what the hardest ultra marathons were. You know, if you're going to do one, why not do the one of the hardest ones, right? Silly ass. Of course. And um, <laughs> we came across the Marathon des Sables, which was this desert race uh, in the Sahara Desert. And um, myself had camped there for a couple of uh, days, uh, a couple of years before. And I really loved it, so I convinced my friend to sign up for it. And um, that's how I got um, caught up in the ultra world. But in terms of the mountain ultras, which is what I really do now, um, while training for the Marathon des Sables, ironically, I came across a YouTube video with Killian running across the Alps in the UTMB. And some of the Aslan, I was blown away by how it was even possible to run across these huge, huge mountains. And um, once I was down in the desert, I was like, this is what I really want to do. Uh, I don't know if I can, but I'm going to try. So, yeah. I mean, okay, here's the one question, Rob. Maybe you want to ask us is how, how do we meet each other in the first place? That's a, va- that's a really good question. How did you guys meet? Uh, Ian, you, you should take this one. Well, yeah. So, so I actually had read some of Aslan used to have a blog. I think he still keeps up with it, but um, I read some of his. Uh, gear reviews online and I think he had a picture and I recognized him at a local trail race it was like a 10 kilometer race and I went up to him and said hey are you the guy who has a blog and, and uh, we exchanged contacts and uh, we've been friends ever since so it's it's pretty crazy yeah that's that's fascinating and so did you guys plan out future races like did you stay in touch or did you just start seeing each other at events because you know there's not a huge amount of ultras within that space in that area Um, it was a bit of both i think i think we we started a chat group on facebook with a couple of other friends and uh, like you said there's only so many races uh in singapore and you kind of tend to see and like i said uh you know we were saying there's only one or two really good ideal places in Singapore for training for these mountainous ultras. So you kind of tend to see the entire ultra running community at some point uh, on weekends um, training that's, at the same place. That's pretty yeah. cool, actually. I mean, yeah. in a weird way. I mean, I, I'm trying to look at this positively just because it's like, wow, <laughs> like, that's so difficult only having one place. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a huge amount of gain and it's not that techy and... You have a lot going up, you know, going against you, but I mean, I guess you can start using actual races as, you know, long runs as best you can, but there's not that many of them. So I'm I'm just blown away still that you guys are able to to get in shape and, you know, mentally be prepared to to go tackle these difficult races. Um it sounds like you guys both did the Hong Kong 100K together, is that correct? In is it 2016? 2016. Yeah, yeah we, we went we went to the race together. I think we kind of just got in the ballot successfully. And then, uh, yeah, we just trained and went for it. Uh, having having said that, uh, I was I think I was pretty out of the train at that time. And then plus the fact that we had that polar vortex didn't help anybody much. Yeah, so so it was it was crazy because so typically the temperatures in Hong Kong, even in, in winter, it's really mild. You're talking about, was it like a... 16 to 18 degrees celsius i'm not sure what that is in maybe like 60 degrees fahrenheit or something Mm -hmm. um 
and that's what we prepared for, right? We packed our kit. Um, you could still wear like a short sleeve shirt, shorts, maybe a light wind jacket. Um, happens that the day of the race, we get hit with the po- a polar vortex, thanks to global warming, maybe. But uh, it's the coldest day in almost 60 years in Hong Kong. And uh, at the highest point of the race, um, it was like minus six degrees Celsius. So it, it was, we were not prepared for that. Like, well, not just us, but pretty much the entire field. And uh, there was like a 50% attrition rate. The organizers canceled the, the race 24 hours into the 30 hour cutoff. Um, I was, when they called it, I didn't really hear that cancel the race because I was kind of stuck at the top of the, the highest point of the race to the final descent to the check the, the finish. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just 10 kilometers on tarmac, really. So I, that was actually the, the point where I was saying, I'm going to smash this, you know, prior to the race starting. I said, this is where I'm going to make up a lot of time. It took me three and a half hours to get down that 10 kilometer stretch of tarmac. Wow. And uh, that was just because everything was iced up. I fell, I want to say, 15 to 20 times um, on the black ice. We were getting pelted by sleet or ice pellets, whatever it is. I thought somebody was throwing stones at me for a while, but I realized it was coming <laughs> from the sky. And uh, it was just unheard of. It's crazy. And uh, at that point, it went from race mode to like survival mode. It, it was pretty scary because at that point, I was freezing. Um, I couldn't feel my fingers anymore. And there was no way the race organizers could get to us. Like even the rescue workers were trying to, to bring people down the firemen and stuff and were falling on the, the black ice. Nothing could get up that road. And so it was just literally sliding down my backside for meters at a time, bit by bit to try and get down. And uh, finally made it to the end. And then I found out that uh, how crazy it had really been. But that was a crazy experience. It was almost pure survival mode really. And Aslan, was that your experience too, getting down from that? Were you guys running together down that? Or? No, Ian's, Ian was faster. I was with a group of uh, two other friends that uh, I, I kind of shepherd, shepherded them, them. I mean, we ran together from the 50K mark, the halfway mark, and it got too cold for uh, all three of us. I had a friend who was like in super bad state. We had to wrap him up with a, a emergency blanket because he was he was literally shivering and we got to the checkpoint we realized that you know we don't have the gear to keep going so we pulled out and we got back to our apartment and the next morning when we, we checked the weather and still waiting for Ian to come back and we found out there were still runners trapped in the in the huts you know uh, waiting to get airlifted because you know it's just too cold to move forward yeah wow that's yeah, so that's crazy the, the, the craziest part of it was I um, even though I was wearing gloves I uh, lost any feeling my fingertips for one month. And uh, I was so worried, I thought that this was permanent. I went to see a doctor and he told me it was a case of mild hypothermia, which is something I did not expect going to a race in Hong Kong. <laughs> wow, um, that's, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I mean, I think it was for CCC, the uh, required gear, I was kind of like, ah, like, this is gonna add a ton of weight. But then I slowly realized like, you know, along those similar lines, like you get up there and when it, when that race turns into survival, like I do actually need some waterproof gloves, even though they're bulky and heavier. Um, but that's, that's good to hear that that was only temporary. That would be, that would be awful. Yeah. Loose feeling. I don't know how typing was for that 30 days. Not very, not very easy. (laughs) Uh, And so let's talk about UTMB and CCC. Uh, it sounds like Aslan, like you're, 
ultimate goal was is UTMB. Um, yes. Yeah. And it, it, you know, we can all blame Killian for this. Um, <laughs> tell me about 2016 CCC for you. I mean, it, it sounds like your first few 100Ks were not, you know, not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how was 2016? I guess in the years leading up, well, I started my first ultra in 2016, right? So I guess you could say at that point of time, I was still trying to figure out how to really train for an ultra. So I'm a bit of a slow learner. So I guess to me, at that time when I qualified and when I ran my first CCC, I, I had a lot of issues with uh, during that race, like had blisters on my ankles. Then, you know, the weather that year was pretty hot. Ian will remember it. Uh, that was one of the hotter years for, for UTMB and CCC. And and they required us to carry two liters of water. And I lost one of my soft flasks just running down downhill. I was so worried they'll penalize me because, you know, if I don't have to show that I can carry two liters, no, I might be penalized. Yeah. So that race was really, uh, it's quite a learning experience for me. I think, like like you said, a uh, Singaporean guy going to Chamonix for the first time seeing all these big ass mountains. It, it really was, um, it really was a lesson, I think, to really, you got to train really hard in Singapore to try to go for the mountains in Europe and elsewhere. I think it's cool because it's applicable to, I mean, if you live in the U.S. in Oklahoma or, you know, like, I don't know, some, you know, super flat state where it's difficult, like you're, you're showing, you know, regardless of where you are, like if you have the heart and you really want it that bad, like you can get in the training and yeah, your first experience wasn't ideal, um, I'll tell you what your your comment on like being paranoid about required gear is not off point at all. Like, <laughs> it's such an added stress. Oh my gosh! Like when you start including the international flight, and then like, I hope my pants are meeting this requirement and that requirement. Ugh. It was a lot for me personally. Um, Ian, when was your first taste of of Chamonix? Yeah, so so it's funny. I was entered in the same lottery and as lucky as Aslan in the 2016 CCC, but I didn't end up running that year because uh, I just moved to Europe and my wife had just given birth to a kid and uh, and the race was one month after the birth of my child. So I that totally year was about to wash for me. <laughs> yeah, yep. pretty heartbreaking. Major case of FOMO because this was the first time you know all my friends were coming over and everything, but uh, it was it was. Um, really it made me really want to do well the next year and focus and I was lucky to get in the next year in 2017 Uh, between then between moving to Europe and the CCC in 2017 when I did it I got the chance being here to kind of explore parts of the course in Chamonix so I kind of had an idea of what to expect and I thought psychologically it was a big difference maker kind of knowing what lay ahead uh, what to expect so I wasn't shocked by say the steep climbs like you know on CCC Rob that very first climb oh there's nothing, which nothing goes like on that, forever man. nothing yeah nothing like that yeah so so having that done that without the pressure of the race um was was a lot less mentally stressful I think yeah and and so Aslan did you end up getting into CCC the following year yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, I was with Ian in 2017, and we both finished it together. I mean, separate timings aside, but yeah, 2017 was a great year. Uh, CCC was definitely the biggest highlight for me. 
like coming back after after a pretty poor year, I think. 2016 was a pretty poor year for me. I got two DNFs and I had a pretty bad marathon timing that year. So I kind of wanted it to be better. So I had a coach now. Um, so since then, my training has been uh, pretty uh, up, uh, up to scratch, I would say. Yeah, that's all. So you guys both finished CCC in 17. Yeah. Correct. Okay. That's very cool. And were you in, in touch going into that race or... Were you just having beers afterwards? <laughs> no, we, we roomed together in a house okay. with like, I think, what, six, seven other people? It's kind of like the real world. Real world, Singapore. Yeah, not the, well, it was actually quite international. We had an American, we had a, a British guy, uh, some Vietnamese, crazy. But that, anyway, it wasn't the most cool. restful, it was a lot of fun, but it's not the most restful uh, environment. Um, but in a sense, it also kind of made things less stressful because you had all these people to kind of joke and laugh with and not stress so much about the race. But yeah, so Aslan and I were roommates in that house. Okay. So yeah, I was picking, I was picking his brain uh, for, for all the tips, him having already done it once. So yeah. So let's fast forward a year just because I, I was there for 2018. I mean, were you guys both signed up for UTMB? Yeah, we did. And it, uh, was it a repeat? Were you guys back in the real world house? Small yeah, of it. <laughs> yeah. I think for most of this trip so far, I've been like the trip planner, so I kind of do all the logistics and all the whatever stuff. Ian is a, does a good job at doing the uh, event planning, like which elites do we see? You know, what do we buy? Blah blah blah. Which ice cream do you buy? <laughs> stuff like that. So how how were you guys feeling going into the race? I mean, I know. There was a ton of murmur about the weather and just trying to compare yeah. it to last year. I mean, were you guys yeah. concerned about that? I think less so. I think the big issue for, for maybe, I don't know about Ian, but I think it's really because it's our first 100 miler and it's really like a big unknown, you know, it's to be on a start line in Chamonix when, the, you know, the song is being played. You know, it, it, it really raises the, uh, the hair on your on your hands, you know. So um, to me, it was quite special, but I think... The unknown of doing UTMB was was really the big factor. I think weather didn't matter, whether it's hot or cold. It's just an extra forty or forty six miles or whatever it is. <laughs> it's a lot harder than you think, Rob. Yeah, it's a lot harder than you think, Rob. I mean, seeing the helicopter too, when you're like, okay, I'm probably on TV right now. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it's the real deal. And then for me, I couldn't understand what they were saying because it was like rapid fire Italian. Um, cause that's like where, that's where we yeah. started and I couldn't understand the countdown really, but which, which wave, which wave are you in Rob? Just to ask in first, I was in second? The, the second one. Cause I'm rated yeah. 146 thousandth in the world. So <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you get into any log jams or, uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll describe it in the book. Uh, yeah. it's, um, it was just like a conga line. Like I've never seen before. I was I was probably in like 1100th place and just stopped just waiting um, for that first climb. And then I think for from what I could tell, people had gone out too hard that, you know, weren't used to that mm -hmm. kind of gain. And so the second climb was finally opening up a little bit. And then by the third, fourth and fifth, it was it was me versus the mountain without anyone yeah. near me. But um <laughs> Yeah, the, the number of people using poles, I would say 95, 
99% of the people around me were using polls, which added a whole different element. I mean, did you guys experience that, like, for your first climb or two, like, almost getting speared, essentially? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. It's just something you don't think about until, like, your ankle is right there and someone missed it by an inch. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So, well, not, every, not everyone's used to using the right technique either, right? So that's the dangerous part. And sometimes you get someone who's never really trained with poles in, in your life, as you can see, and, and they start swinging left and right, and you just kind of have to give them their space, otherwise you lose an eye. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. I mean, I'm, I'm normally like the friendliest runner in the whole world, but there was one or two close calls where I had to turn around and stare the person down and be like, don't, <laughs> don't do that again, please. <laughs> um, and so UTMB was kind of notorious this year. There were a lot of, or in 2018, a uh, lot of people DNFing. I mean, you know, there's a lot of reports about the conditions being bad. I know I experienced part of the course myself. I mean, walk me through like the first first half of the race for you guys. Like any major events take place. I'm just interested to hear how both races went for you. So, so maybe I'll start. So my race, I, I started off with a slightly negative mental attitude. Um, I had, well, the weather forecasting up to the race week had been, it's going to be a great day, um, perfect for running. And uh, on the afternoon of the race the day itself, we get this text at lunch saying cold weather expected, uh, reroute on the cold, the last climb. And um, you're going to have to pack all your cold weather gear. So I've been planning for a nap in the afternoon to kind of stock up on sleep. I expect to go two nights without. And um, I left. I'd just given all my cold weather gear to my crew because I didn't think we needed it anymore. Oh, and gosh. so I had to scramble to get it back. Uh, he had to drive back from wherever he was at. And that whole afternoon, instead of resting, it was a frantic um, frantic. Uh, effort to try and repack and get ready for a much more hostile uh, environment in terms of the weather. Um, and um, it started raining at the start, so we stayed indoors, trying to stay dry as long as possible. Um, and that meant we started way at the back. I think in the, at the first checkpoint, I was like in 2,000-something place out of 2,500. And uh, so it was pretty frustrating, um, but you just had to take in your stride. So, I talked to my coach. Um, I trained with Ryan Delphi from Trails and Tarmac. And so he emphasized, you know, keeping my heart rate low for the first 80K or so on the Kumayur, which is the first major um, point, uh, checkpoint, where you can get a drop bag. Yeah. And so I just tried to blank out all the excitement, all the stress, and just focus on one foot in front of the other for that 15 or so hours. Um, making sure I didn't add unnecessary stresses because I would need all the energy. The trick is you just do CCC. That's where I started, where your first drop bag was. I got to skip all of that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) um, Ian's, I assume, that was Aslan, right? I assume? That was was Ian. That was Ian. Okay, Aslan, how did your start go? Uh, I guess my start was okay. I guess, like, Ian, for me, my issue was, um, I guess, it was really, you know, I thought, oh my god, it's 100 bloody miles, how the hell am I going to get through the first night, jeez. But I, I took it quite easy, I think, but I, I think, I guess I ran into some risk management issues, I, I forgot to bring some stuff, which I left in my drop bag, and I think I got a bit hungry towards the night, I didn't, I probably should have eaten more than 
I sure I, I think I ate less than I shouldn't ha- I should have. So that kind of compounded itself, and as a result, I think I kind of slowed down. So coming into Komayo, um, I think I was a bit behind time, and I, I was kind of like, like, like very tired. I just sat down, trying trying to pack all my stuff, and the next thing you know, time is running out. I get a knock saying, I get a knock on the boss saying, "Hey, you got 15 minutes left." Like, oh shit, 15 minutes left. I haven't even eaten anything yet. So I, I guess that kind of compounded itself. Like I ate less, and I had less time to pack, and then and you're already the next bonking thing, essentially, right? Into I wasn't bonking, but okay. yeah, but I kind of like slowed down, you know. From so after after we left Komayo, the decline, right? Oh, so yeah. I, I guess it, it became like you know um, chasing cutoffs, basically. So I wrote it in my blog. So from then on, it's literally chasing cutoffs. Um, I guess the highlight of this race would say uh, I was with a good friend of mine, Alan, um, Alan Curtin, and he he was with me uh, on the climb to Grand Colferay. And he will remember this story as I kept, he kept asking me, he said, dude, are you all right? And it's like, do I look all right to you right now? <laughs> <As he's... laughs> yeah, anytime, he, yeah, yeah, anytime an ultra runner has to ask another ultra runner that, <laughs> it's never, never a good sign. What were you, probably yeah. 100K in? Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think about 100K. I mean, I mean, you remember the climb to Grand Cole, right? How, how was the conditions for your race? It was uh, foggy at the top and cold. Everyone was putting on cold gear at the very top, and I was like, guys, we already summited. Like, don't waste your time. But I remember specifically <laughs> my my hands were cold and my poles felt cold. So it was it was um, right before my race kind of started, honestly. Mm, so yeah, I, so... Yeah. So, so basically, exactly what you say. It was cold. It was windy, and I was a bit disoriented. I thought we made that cut. I thought we we were not gonna make a cutoff. So when we went up there, I realized that it was it was supposed to be the I think eight p.m. not six p.m. So we had a bit of time coming down, but then again, you know, loss of energy, you know, getting tired and all that stuff. So we ran to the next checkpoint, and we were literally seconds before the cutoff. We ran through the checkpoint. They didn't let us get any water. They said, "Go in, go out." So we went ran. The checkpoint, yeah. ran through it, crashed on the other side. Jeez, it was like the yeah. And uh, my friend Alan, he, he ran out of water, so he had to use my. He both ran out of water after that. Well, and then you hit mud, right? I mean, was it a slip and slide for you guys? Mm, I, I thought it was alright. Not too bad, I guess. It, it was. It was a lot better this year uh, versus last year. Last year was a slip and slide for us. Um, yeah. On the CCC, this year was. Even though it was cold, it wasn't as bad as uh, 2017 okay, uh, overall. So maybe it dried up a little bit. I was watching mm-hmm. people ice skate down the <laughs> the grassy section, and wow. then, I mean, Aslan, that sounds just awful racing, like just cutoffs i mean talk about stress like you finally are in etmb yeah, um, yeah and kind of your dream dream goal and it's just probably i mean it sounds like it's not going ideally unfortunately yeah i get yeah i guess you could say it's like the writing's on the wall it's a matter of time before the time will catch up with you and uh i was with uh, my friend and we picked up a japanese a runner he was with us and 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 the three of us said okay let's just slide on five minutes the next thing you know the sweepers come and we're like hey we're the sweepers and uh if we see you again we're gonna cut you off and okay shit we gotta go (laughs) (laughs) so you laid down to sleep for five minutes before the sweepers came okay yeah and and as we kept running we bumped into the um uh, fellow runner his name is jose and we're like dude sweepers behind we gotta go man so the four of us just like hung on for dear life and we just kept going 
until a point, I think just before the, uh, this is climb to Shampila, I guess, I, I don't know if yeah. you guys remember it, down yeah, the road, yeah. just, just, just after the road, then there's a climb that goes up. It's a short climb. It's a baby one, but high. it's agonizing because you think you're yeah. at the aid station. So, so, so when we met, we, had, we were kind of like one quarter of the way in and we are like, guys, we're not going to make it. It's, it's too far. <laughs> it's too far to make it in half an hour. It's like, all right, let's just sit down here. <laughs> that's, that's hard, man. That's really hard. And then, yeah. um, Ian, how's how's your race going through the, like that similar section? So, um, yeah, so actually the funny thing was I rolled in Kumaya feeling really good. I, I met my crew, um, felt really ready to go from then on and pushed out strong. Um, the climb, and it went kind of all right. Uh, it was a bit slow climbing up Bertone, Refugio Bertone. And then when I got to Grand Colferray, which is that, climb to the highest point of the race um it was crazy because i'd done that climb before at ccc the year before and it wasn't really too much of a, a problem but this time i had to stop like five or six times on the way up and my quads and my calves were just like on fire and there were these people that looked like ants in the distance below me and every time i look back they would come a little they'd be a little closer and it was so demoralizing to know that i was going so slowly and i think that was the probably the one time the race where I began to seriously question if I was going to finish the race because I thought if I'm feeling this bad and I've not, I'm not even like maybe 60% of the climbing down to 60% of the climbing, these two, the last three climbs are notorious that are still waiting for me. How am I going to do it? But, uh, somehow after cresting the summit, I kind of found a second wind and, um, for the rest of the race, it was tough. Um, but my legs, my climbing legs got back to me. So that, that kind of saved my race. I think, I mean, um, dropping yeah. into Switzerland's like kind of the perfect grade to like get yeah. leg turnover going and get the, yeah. get the blood flowing. Um, for sure. And so how'd you tackle the last three and, and tell me about that reroute and what you thought of that? Yeah, so so that was that was probably my biggest and uh, bugboo or bugbear going to this race because I'd done the reroute the year before uh, when C- during CCC when they also rerouted it, so I knew kind of how horrible it was, um, and I was just looking forward to doing the the actual climb up the Col de Monte, um, and then so I get into Champé Lac. I have my crew there again. Um, I plan for about 30 minutes rest and I decide, you know what, I'm going to take 20 minutes to lie down and close my eyes because this is the last place where I can actually have a cot to lie on before the finish. So there's about 50 Ks left to go. This was about, I want to say like 8, 9 PM, something like this. And I just lie down and close my eyes and 20 minutes. I didn't, I didn't fall asleep, but it's just, it helped me mentally reset. And I left that eight checkpoint feeling really refreshed and it got me through the next 10 hours without any issues of feeling low energy or sleepy or any of that. Now I ran, I caught up a friend going up the first of those last three climbs and we kind of worked together for the last 10 hours to the end, near the end at least. And um, that's how we, we did it. So that, that I think the 20 minutes of shut eye or that cat nap kind of saved me from the hallucinations that my friend was going through because he had decided to push on without doing that and uh, they hit him pretty hard i i started to see the hallucinations i want to say on that last climb which is rob you remember that the rerouted climb which goes through the woods and then down to really techy terrain and Go, rocks going and... down was the, <laughs> yeah, was the techiest 
trail I've ever been on my whole life. The wet, the wet roots. Yeah. And every like logical foot placement had like a jagged rock. It was it was hard, and the fact that people ran down that is like mind boggling. But yeah, I I had trouble walking down. <laughs> yeah, no, same as you, Rob. So I I tried I done that last year i knew how bad it was this year was a little dry but it was still like required me to go on all fours at some point lowering myself down on rocks totally and there were guys like like you said my friend was bounding down this thing like a mountain goat and i was like what the hell is this do you have something (laughs) wrong with you mentally like why are you doing that like the risk reward not there yeah and then yeah yeah, the climb up to that ski lift was like wait aren't we supposed to drop down now like that yeah, took a yeah. lot, that extra, like, 600 feet of climbing or whatever it was. So so last year when I did it, because I had no idea how it was going to pan out, um, and I was chasing this 20-hour barrier, and I was coming cutting it really close. I want to do a sub-20 for CCC. So last year when I did it, I had no idea where we were going. It was a lot more mentally stressful, I think, because you go up, like, three 400 meters, then you have to go down. I was like, why are we going down? Because I know we need to hit Leger and then which is that top of the point, and then you come... Totally go down to Chamonix mm-hmm. and it kind of played around your mind this time I knew what to expect um and I it was so it made it a little better but I was dealing with the hallucination so I was seeing like faces in the rocks and trees and uh, at points I was seeing mountain huts where there were there was just a stone <laughs> and so I had to go really really slowly because um I wasn't sure what was real and what wasn't and this was the the, the case for the entire climb but once you get to that, fi- I got to that final stretch of clearing that goes up to the ski lift, and it was kind of daylight was kind of breaking. Something snapped or switched in my mind, and and it was fine. And I just hammered that climb as hard as I could, and then just hit it all the way down, just uh, smashed it, whatever I had left. So tell me, after all of this, you finally hit the pavement, the streets of Chamonix, and we have these two metal staircases that go over the streets um were you just in such like euphoric kind of like mental space that you were almost near the finish that you just flew over them yeah i wouldn't say i flew over them i kind of power hiked them but i i'd seen people doing it for the occ the day before and it looked really painful (laughs) but like you said that that euphoria of knowing that you're within hundreds of meters of achieving that dream of crossing that finish line I didn't feel any pain at that point, um, and it just kind of uh, was like I was grinning the entire time, smiling at everybody, was cheering along the way, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty unreal. Yeah, and what what was going through your head when you you saw the arch that you had you know been so working it's, it's hard pre- for? Yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So throughout the entire um, last ten fifteen k of the race, after that horrible up and down stretch, I've been chasing. A target to go under 38 hours and I was still hoping to finish in the top 500 of the race because that was like my pre-race dream I, goal I like that goal <laughs> that sounds familiar <laughs> yeah this year a CCC goal right yeah yeah I, I saw that yeah so so it's funny so literally around the finish shoot I want to say 50 meters from the the finishers arch there's a guy ahead of me an Argentinian guy and he stops he's with his friends and I feel bad going past him because he's ahead of me but he waves me through because they're taking out a flag or a banner of some some kind to, to cross the finish line together. And so I go past him, and it turns out that that spot, that one person, was the difference between 499 and 500 in the race. So I actually finished 499 because of, of that guy oh who gosh. waved me through. Yes, yeah, <laughs> very crazy. Isn't it but, funny uh, how one spot makes all the difference, too? 
Yeah, in, in the, so the funny it... thing was, I, I thought it meant a lot to me, the 500. But then once I started running those laps, like, you know, that, that straight shoot down the 100 meters, I just started slowing down myself because it, it occurred to me that this dream that I've been chasing for the last five years was about to end and I didn't want it to end. So I kind of actually started slowing down a little and try, tried to savor, you know, the, the noise, the crowd, the cheers, and just looked at it and, and just kind of jogged it in. So it's kind of crazy. Like chasing that goal for like the best part of 37 hours. And then when it's within sight, I just slowed down because I didn't want it to end. That's I didn't know what's next. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's quite crazy. I, yeah. I thought it was. And, and, uh, Go ahead. Oh, and just to add on, I mean, this is probably not too important, but uh, I was the first guy that Ian saw because I just yeah. finished my race. I stayed up the I stayed up that one extra hour just to see, hey, where is Ian gonna come through? He is gonna come through. Fantastic. I'll just uh, hobble down the stairs and see if I can get to the start uh, finish line. And yeah. That's that's yeah so, Sorry. So, so yeah, Aslan was kind enough to, to meet me at the finish and uh, so I have it on video and that was really uh, something that's really cool of him considering he had been out himself for I wanna say was it like twenty, thirty hours without sleep. Hours. So that was that was uh, pretty cool for sure. To see a friendly the friendly face at the end. That's amazing. I I didn't know any of that when we were at the bar having a beer. I mean, we briefly, <laughs> we were, you know, I think we had finisher jackets on or vests on, but um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. My takeaway was like, I was so competitive, like it kicked in when I fell, like I fell on the trail and like, I'm like, okay, this is my A race, like enough joking around, like. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, like, actually going to do this right now. Um, and, like, I was competitive during the race, but then afterwards I realized, like, it didn't really matter what place I was in or my finish time. Like, it was having a beer with two guys that, you know, got, you guys had all the odds stacked against you and training and just, like, your base level fitness, like, getting ready for mountain races and... And we all had this, like, super common bond that we had, you know, run trail in Chamonix and uh, got to run through the Swiss Alps. You know, we all had yeah, yeah. DNFs and whatnot. But, yeah, getting to to share beer and hear some stories. And I was just in awe of you guys and that single 480-foot climb that you had to uh, start <laughs> trail running on. <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah th yeah that that uh that finisher or the after party that they had was definitely i'd say ranks up there with the finisher finishing the race in terms of uh memories just because it was so cool to meet people from all over the world uh that share a common love for the same sport and just exchange stories and um it's it's something that i still uh, remember to this day so it, it was really cool and that's one of the reasons why i want to go back uh, year after year if i can i know it's a lot easier for me just because it's it's close to me but that that race atmosphere um just how international it is and and uh, the different people you get to meet is just something special it's like the, the olympics or the world cup of uh, ultra running really so so i guess it's as good as it gets for a mid packer like us right i yeah. couldn't couldn't agree more I mean, I think that's a great place to end. I want to stay in touch with you guys, of course, because you guys do all kinds of crazy international races that, you know, maybe are underreported. And, you know, I, I just love your guys' perspective. And I know how passionate you are about trail running and ultra running. And 2020, I'm getting the next round of beers, guys. You guys pop yeah. me hey, hey, you yeah. better, I'm, I'm going to be holding you to that, Rob. Hey, thanks. We'll see what and the... Good luck to you. Good luck we'll see to how the battle goes. 
Thank you. Yeah. yeah good luck good. to you in Triple Crown. I can't believe you, you are doing that. And I can't believe you did Moab after CCC. That is just insane. Insane. Oh, thank Next you. Level. Yeah, the the 5K <laughs> back from the after party because I didn't have a ride because there's no Ubers or no cabs. That was the most impre- impressive race of 2018 that I did. Uh, did you wait? Did you really do a 5K after the after party? Yeah, I I didn't. The buses oh all God, the wow. buses all shut down, <laughs> and uh, I was in jeans. Yeah, I didn't I didn't wow. have a choice. It was walk or run. That is nuts. <laughs> Um, oh, kudos to you, sir. No, no, I, I appreciate you guys taking all the time and sharing, you know, parts of your story. And where can people follow you on social media? Where can they check out your blogs or videos and that sort of stuff? Um, Aslan, if you want yeah. to start us off. Uh, yeah. So uh, my my uh, my handle is Asianic, so it's A Z E A N I C. But uh, uh, me and Ian and a couple of guys, we started this uh, Facebook page called Live Low Race High. So once in a while, we'll post something about, you know, ultra running and uh, things that are more relatable to, you know, the flatlanders like like us, really. Nice. Yeah, so I'm on Ian Lai, I-A-N-L-Y-E on Instagram, uh, Ian Lai on Facebook, and you can find me on Strava, Ian Lai. So i keeping it pretty simple and consistent there. <laughs> guys, I, I truly enjoyed it. Keep up the good training. And, uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch in 2020. Telling yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it, Thank okay, guys? Yeah, happy to have you. Thank you, guys. And that was episode 75. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Ian and Aslan for taking so much time and sharing their unique perspective. That was really cool hearing more about how you actually go about training for a UTMB when you don't have much, you know, climbing ability. There's not just giant climbs and mountains nearby. So thank you guys for taking the time. Big thank you to the sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, Ultimate Direction, and Destination Trail. Truly appreciate the support of the Patreon supporters. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Talk to you guys next week.